Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. You're here this morning and uh, you think, boy, that's 11 o'clock service is really full. Uh, It's time change Sunday and this is the 930 service. So we're glad that you made it here anyway. um, It's always nice to have that fall back time change and that that spring forward one is the one that's difficult. But uh, we're glad that you are here this morning and uh, there's so many things that are going on. It seems like uh, in, in church life that uh, people are, they ask, when, when, does, when do things slow down around here? They don't. Uh, as you can see, we've got a great outreach that we have that's coming up that we want you to be part of. I know most of you are distracted with watching Paul Taylor eat an entire pie in about a minute and 30 seconds, but uh, he, he did that. We had to do that in one take because he said I couldn't eat two pies. So we had to do that, but um, we, we want you as a church to be able to reach your neighbors. And so we want to provide opportunities for you to do that. And so in the past, uh, many of you remember the last few years, we have provided meals for people uh, in need. And uh, we will still do some of that just with just internally, we'll do some of those things still. But we thought this year that to give our church an opportunity to reach uh, their neighborhood, reach their neighbors, that we wanted to do something a little bit different. And so we want to be able to provide pies for our church to be able to take to our neighbors. Um, On November 20th, you will pick up those pies in the lobbies and you'll be able to take those and they'll have a QR code on the top that's gonna take them to uh, a video from our pastor that uh, will give them information about our church and about the events that are coming up here in our church. But we wanted you guys to be the ones that do the outreach this year and not just, not just give to it, but we do need you to give to it because uh, we have to buy these pies. And so we want you to be able to give to this outreach like you have done in, in the years past. And you would simply designate that offering and you can drop it in any one of the buckets around or you can do it online for the Thanksgiving outreach. And uh, you can give to that. And then on November 20th, we want you to take pies to your neighbors and and give those away. So we're going to have, I think it's around 600 pies here uh, that you guys can take. And uh, we want you to be able to be a blessing to your neighbors and uh, get the gospel into their hands and give you opportunity to reach them. So just a little bit different this year, but we want you to be involved in that. Uh, This this morning, I'm going to talk about the power of a moment But this morning, somebody gave us a prayer request, and it kind of reinforces the message that we're going to get into. Um, Frank Long gave us a prayer request for his grandson, uh, Christopher Long, who was in in a really bad accident on Tuesday. He's still in a coma. He has a head bleed uh, and has a 50-50% chance of pulling through. And uh, it's amazing how quickly life can change. And so we're going to take just a minute and we're going to pray for Christopher and the doctors and healing and his life and the family that as they go through this. So will you bow with me in a word of prayer? Father, we are grateful and thankful for the opportunity we have to know that we can bring these requests to a God who controls life. Lord, you know exactly what is going on in this young man's body. 
Lord, you know uh, how to heal him. And Lord, we know that you can use this circumstance to impact a life, to impact a family, to impact doctors and nurses as they come in. And Lord, you can use this situation, though it seems that it's not good, you can use it for good. And so, Father, we pray that today you will use this, use it to accomplish your will and your work. And Lord, we pray that you'll bring healing to this young man, that you might touch his body, that you might cause the brain to stop bleeding, that you might give the doctors wisdom to know what to do, that you might work in him and be the great physician that we know that you are. But Lord, if you choose not to, we will trust you and we will yield to your will and we will know that you will work all things together for your good. And so, Father, we pray that you will just touch this family. Lord, be graceful with them, and Lord, help people to shed grace on them. Lord, we pray that you will be close to them, draw close to them. Help them know that you are near. And Lord, we will praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, this morning we're going to talk about the power of a moment. And this prayer request just uh, kind of... Uh, showed that how life changes in a moment. And if you think about your life and, and when, when in moments things have changed in your life, when you stood, if, you are, if you're married or if you were married, you stood in, at an altar and you knew building up to this that there was going to be a moment that you weren't a husband and then a moment later you were going to become a husband. And you had an idea of what that was going to be like, right? Like in your mind, you had this picture of what married life was going to be like. And as soon as you got married, it was going to be bliss. And then you said, I do. And you wondered where the bliss went. Like it didn't work out exactly like we thought. Like marriage is awesome. And I love to be married. And whenever I see uh, couples that are engaged and their brides-to-be or grooms-to-be, I always tell them marriage is the most awesome thing that you could ever do. So get excited, get ready. It's going to be a fun ride, but it's going to be a ride. You're going to enjoy this, but it's going to be, it's going to be not everything that you expected. And then you get married and, and life goes on, and then you decide you, you're talking one day and you say, you know what, let's have a baby. And if any of you have ever had a baby, you know that conversation that went on. You're like, let's have kids. Wouldn't it be awesome to have some little person call me mom or call me dad? And so you decide you're going to have a baby and you find out she's pregnant. And you, you, she, Today they have these like artist renderings of what the baby looks like. When, when we had children, my wife brought the, home this black and white image and she gave it to me and expected me to know what it was. I had no idea and I just nodded and smiled like I pretended and she's like, we're going to have a baby. And then I realized, oh, there's my child is in this picture somewhere. I don't know where, but my child's in here and I'm excited about this. And for nine months it's building and it's building and you're, you're excited to have a baby. And, and this last week, three people that are, are close to me have had babies. And Chris, Christian and Liz Ikepa, about a week ago, they had a baby. And that moment, they weren't parents. And then all of a sudden, they were mom and dad. And if you talk to Christian, he just radiates with dad. Like he's just like glowing. And you're like, what is, what's, what's up with you? And he's like, I have a kid now. Like, and it's all exciting when they're really little. And you, one moment, you weren't a dad. And then the next moment, you're holding this baby. And you're like, I'm a dad. 
and you just are overwhelmed with the responsibility and the, 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 the awe of the whole thing. One moment you're not married, the next moment you are. One moment you don't, you're not a dad, the next moment you're a dad, and, and life can change in a moment. This morning I have a couple of friends that, um, one, his, uh, the, the daughter is Abby Bunton, Six days ago, Abby was spending the, some time with her brother at a, at a house that they were, they were taking care of, and they were doing stuff at the house, and then she was going to come home, and on her way home, she never made it home. Parents got a phone call. She was in a head-on collision. She was unconscious, and in a moment, their life completely changed. This week, I saw a video on Facebook, and it was a, a friend of mine, his name's Chad. And on Friday, Chad had a tracheostomy, and, and he was making a video just before that procedure, and he said, this is the last time that you will ever hear my voice, because this is going to happen, and then in a couple of weeks, they're going to remove my voice box because of cancer. And my kids and my family and my friends will never hear my voice again. He thought everything was going well, and he went to the doctor, and in a moment, his life radically changed. And we know, we've experienced, we've, many of you have gone through things where your life has radically taken a change, and it was just in a moment. Well, this morning, I want to tell you that if your life hasn't changed in a moment, it's going to at some point in your life. If your life has changed in a moment, we're going to find some good news from God's word that's going to help us as we come to those moments in our life where things, all of a sudden, our life takes on another trajectory that we never anticipated it going on. We're going to look at a man this morning, and his name is Elijah. So if you want to turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter number 19, we're going to be there in a moment. But Elijah was a man who was not on the scene. And then all of a sudden, in, in 1 Kings chapter 17, Elijah appeared on the scene. And Elijah didn't just appear on the scene. Elijah was, was roaring when he came on the scene. Elijah, it wasn't like some people that we saw in the Bible that we see that they were born and, and how they were raised and all the things that they did and as a kid. And then all of a sudden, God called them. No, Elijah, as a full-grown man, we see him, and he is coming on the scene, and he is telling the king, Ahab, he is telling him, for three years, there is not going to be any rain. It's going to be a complete drought. And Ahab got so mad at him. Elijah, listening to God, Elijah, God told him, he said, I want you to go to a brook, and I want you to stay by that brook, and I'm going to feed you there with ravens. Ravens don't usually bring food. Ravens usually eat food. But he was going to be fed by ravens, and so he saw this miracle in his life. He saw the rain stop, and he stood by this brook, and he was able to drink from the brook, and he was able to eat the food that the ravens brought to him. And he saw this miracle happening day after day in his life, morning and evening. God said, the brook is going to dry up. I want you to go, and I want you to spend some time with this widow. And he went to this widow, and he told this widow, don't make that cake for you. She was going to make a cake and eat it and then die. She said, I don't have any more food. We're just going to make this last cake for me and my son, and, and then we're going to die. And Elijah went to her and he said, don't make that cake for you. Make it for me. And I'm sure she looked at him like, what are you talking about? 
But she made the cake for him. And Elijah said, because you did that, he said, the oil and the flour are not going to dry up through this drought, and you and your child are going to live. And for days and months and weeks, she made cakes, and they lived, and she thrived on what she saw God do. And Elijah thrived because he saw God continually working in his life. And then the lady came to him, and he said, my son's dead. Why did you come to my house? Why is my son dead? And Elijah said, God, what are you doing? And he took that child up to the upper room, and he prayed over that child, and that child came back to life. And so Elijah once again sees God do mighty works in his life, and he brings that child down, and he says to the woman, here, he is alive again. So Elijah is not just one of these people that we see in Scripture that that goes through life and doesn't see big things happen. He is going through life, and he is roaring through life, seeing God pour his power on him, and Elijah is doing amazing things. Then God says to Elijah, Elijah, I want you to go and I want you to present yourself to King Ahab and I want you to tell him that we are going to have a battle between their God and your God. And if you can picture this setting, Elijah goes to the king. He's scared to death. It hasn't rained for three years and Elijah now is going to, going to find the king and the king has been looking for him for three years to kill him. And Elijah now goes to the king and he says, here I am. And here's what I want to do. We're going to stand and we're going to sacrifice. And you're going to sacrifice to your God. And I'm going to sacrifice to my God. And we're going to see which God is God. And so there was this battle. And they stood 450 prophets of Baal. And 400 other servants of other gods were there. So 850 against one. Now, I don't know about you, but those aren't odds that I like. I like an even team. I like a team that I know that we're going to win. I don't want to be me against everybody else. But Elijah was not afraid because he had seen God come through time and time and time again. So Elijah, he told them, He said, you prophets of Baal, you go and you do it first. And so he, for a while, let them just sacrifice their animal, and they chanted and they ran. And eventually, Elijah was so brash about knowing that his God was going to be the God that was going to come through that he began making fun of them. And if you read the the chapter, you see that Elijah began saying, well, maybe your God went on a trip, and maybe you need to yell a bit louder. Maybe maybe he's asleep, and you need to wake him up. And he just began trash-talking. That's the first trash-talking that we see in history. Elijah doing it to 400, 850 other prophets. Elijah knew that his God was powerful. So Elijah, as you know the story, Elijah, he had his turn. Those prophets, they couldn't get fire to fall, but Elijah, he said, I'm not only going to pray that God sends fire and burns this sacrifice. He said, I want you to pour water. And you think about this. It's been dry for three years, and Elijah says, I want you to pour water upon this sacrifice. Where did they get the water? But they had barrels and barrels of water that they poured upon the sacrifice. And Elijah, he just simply said, God, would you demonstrate that you are God, that you are powerful? And fire came from heaven, and it not only burned the sacrifice, it licked up the water 
that was around the altar. And you have to believe that Elijah just stood back, radiating like Christian does when you see him because of his child. Elijah stood back, and he was just awed at the fact that my God is the God, and he is powerful. And he was excited about that. King Ahab was not excited about this. King Ahab, if you look at me, we're going to read, look with me at, at chapter number 19 of 1 Kings. We're going to read this passage here together, and we're going to see what King Ahab does, what Elijah does, and then what God does. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse number 1, it says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with how, how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger under Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it is, is, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink, and he laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him. And he said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose, and he did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meal forty days and forty nights unto Oreb, the mount of God. And he came thither into the cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts and for the children of Israel. Have forsaken thy covenant, throw down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break it in pieces, the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abimelech, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escaped the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escaped the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. Elijah here, in verse number one and verse number two, Though Elijah has seen God do mighty works time and time and time again, it took one moment of one person saying one thing to Elijah that Elijah decided that the trajectory of his life was no longer going to be to follow God. The trajectory was now going to be run from whatever it is that's causing me problems in my life. 
you and I get to that same point. There are so many people, and time and time and time again, you talk to people that say, yes, I was raised in church, but this thing happened to me, and I, and I was upset with God, and I left him. But God had been so faithful time and time and time again that one time, one child, one person, one voice box, one thing happens, and all of a sudden we are done with what God has for our life, and we begin to run. Elijah literally ran 100 miles from the time Elijah was talked to by Jezebel to the time he stopped in the desert. 100 miles. There's four things that Elijah did that we often do, and I want you to see this in this passage. In verse number three, it says, And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. Elijah ran when he should have stood. Elijah ran when he should have stood before when the king Ahab said, Elijah, we're going to have battle. I'm seeking your life. All of these things happening. Elijah didn't run. Elijah stood for right, and Elijah stood with God. When things happen in our life, we have to teach ourselves not to run from God, to stop and stand and listen for God to speak to our lives. The second thing I want you to see is in verse number four. It says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Go back to verse number three, because this is important. And he came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey. Not only did Elijah run when he should have stood, he shut the people out of his life that cared for him. That prophet had a servant that was faithful to him. And that servant went with him 100 miles as Elijah was running. That, that servant was with him every step of the way. Then they got to the wilderness, and Elijah told his, his, his servant, he said, you stay here. He said, I'm going by myself. And what happens is that when we have problems in our lives, we begin running and we shut everybody who cares about us out of our life. And we can't do that. You cannot walk this road alone. You have to have people with you that care about you, that love you, that support you, that are willing to walk with this. Whatever this road looks like, I'm willing to walk with it with you. We can't shut people out. Number three, I want you to see it same in verse number four. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. He focused on the negative. He ran when he should have stood. He shut people out of his life that cared for him, and he focused on the negative. He said, God, all of those things that we did in the past, all that fire that, that came down from heaven, that widow's son that was healed, those ravens that fed me, the rain that it hasn't rained yet, all of these things, God, all of that, I'm not focusing on that. I'm going to focus on the one thing that is negative in my life. And isn't it amazing how so many positive things can be happening to us, but one person says one thing, and all of a sudden our entire day is ruined. We had a couple's retreat this last week, and it was great. It was an awesome time. And if you, if you were not able to go this year, I would, I would tell you, go next year. It's going to be an amazing time. Richard and I planned and worked, and we, we tried to make this thing the best that we could do it. And we had everything set up. We had all the plans. And 
Rebecca and I got up there on Thursday to get everything set up and ready and, and uh, just to make sure that everything was, was, was going to be right. The lady who I've been talking to th through the email, uh, setting, setting the reservations and all the, everything, she, she was so nice and so helpful. And she said, when you get here, just come to the front desk and we'll make sure you're taken care of. So Rebecca and I got there and, and uh, everything has just been, just been great. And I got to the front desk and I said, hi, I'm with Monclova Road Baptist Church and we're having our retreat. We've got 38 couples that are here this weekend and, uh, we, and I'm supposed to get all the room keys. One woman in one moment said, we can't do that. And I said, yes, you can. And I said, God, fire. No, I didn't say that. I said, I said, this, in my spirit, I'm like, this is not going to go well. I said, no. I said, Beth Ann, who I've been dealing with, told me that all I have to do is say that I'm with Monclova Road and you'll give me the keys. And she's like, we don't do things that way. I said, in my mind, it didn't come out. We're going to do things that way. <laughs> my wife was standing next to me, and she's just squeezing my hand tighter and tighter, breaking my fingers. And I said, is there any way that you could just check and see if we can do it this way? And she said, well, I'll be back. She didn't come back for some time. I was wondering if she just went and found another job, if she went and left, if she checked out, clocked out, whatever. I don't know what was going on. But eventually she came back, and Rebecca said, her attitude is completely different this time. She came back, she said, oh, we are very happy to help you. And she slid all of the keys across the desk to me. I'm like, that's right. That's how it's supposed to be. One person. It is amazing how things can be going so well for you during the day. And then one person says one thing in the wrong way. And all of a sudden, life is just wrong. We get our focus off of the right things. We get focused on the negative. And Elijah here, he says, I'm no better than my father's. He was simply saying, if you look back at the, at the history of Israel, he had preachers that would preach and they would try to see lives change and they would try to see God do something and the people refused to follow. And Elijah is saying, God, no matter what we do together, they are never going to change. And God's trying to tell Elijah, it doesn't matter what they do, Elijah, it's what me and you do. Elijah wasn't focused on the right thing. He was focused on the negative. And lastly, he forgot God. He forgot God. He forgot what him and God have been through. And he just decided to head out in his own path. And, and God was going to, in the next couple of verses, God is going to change Elijah's trajectory again. Elijah, in a moment, decided that, God, I'm not going this way with you. I'm now running this way. And in a moment, God is going to talk to Elijah, and he's going to say, Elijah, you're not going to go that way. You and I are going this way now. If you look down in verse number nine, Elijah has now come to the Mount of God. And Elijah goes into a cave in the mountain 
And God comes to Elijah and he says to Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? Isn't it nice that when you are in a bad spot to have somebody come to you and say to you, hey, what are you doing here? Like, I, I know you had something bad happen, but how did you end up here? How did you end up so far away from what my plan was for your life? How did you end up so far away from what God's plan was for your life? How did you end up so far away? What are you doing here? God asked Elijah, what are you doing here? God was refocusing Elijah's purpose. Or God reminded Elijah that joy is a choice. He was refocusing Elijah's purpose, or he was saying to Elijah, joy in following me is a choice. Because you're going to have problems and difficulties and situations come, but what you choose to do with those problems and difficulties and situations is completely up to you. It is your choice to have joy in life. You ever met somebody who is just contagious with joy? I love being around those people. There are people that walk in. There are people that you meet. There are people that come into your life, and they are just overflowing, bubbling with happiness. And you're like, you know what? I don't know what you do, but I just want you around me. Can I just be around you? Can I just orbit your life all the time? Because I think you are just super excited about life. And that's how God intends us to be. We are Christians. I hope that's not a surprise to anybody. We're Christians. We are followers of Christ. And as a follower of Christ, joy is a choice every single day. And when you get up and you are excited about what you get to do for God today, whether it's bringing fire down from heaven or it's sitting behind a desk typing on a keyboard. Joy is a choice. Every single day, joy is a choice that you get to make. What are you doing here? Not only did God refocus Elijah's purpose, he refocused Elijah's spirit. I want you to see in, in verse number 12, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. You see, Elijah was used to God raining fire and seeing God do mighty and miraculous things. And sometimes when we see God do miraculous things all the time, we forget to listen for his still small voice. And Elijah was waiting for God to do something miraculous, and God didn't do something miraculous. God, Elijah saw the fire, and he saw the wind, and he saw the, the, the earthquake, and he said, surely God is in that. But God said, I'm not in any of that, Elijah. And then as you study this passage out, it literally means that there was a whisper. And Elijah heard the whisper of God. The only way that I can explain this to you is when our oldest daughter was about two years of age, we were shopping and there are a few things in life that you cannot compare to anything else. One is when you lose a child. The panic that sets into your heart when you realize that your child is gone. 
we were shopping in a mall, and we were in a big store like a J.C. Penney's or or uh, something, a, a store like that, and they had all these round racks of clothing. And Rebecca and I, we were we were looking for something. I believe it was right before Easter, and we were looking for Easter dresses for her and. And so we were, we were shopping, and we had one baby in a stroller and one baby that was out of the stroller that was circling our life. You know how they are? You try to keep track of them, and you, you're, you and your spouse are together, and you're like, oh, you have them, I have them. And eventually you realize that neither one of you have them. And uh, you thought, I thought you had, she thought I had. And all, you realize, well, they're probably really close here. And you just begin looking like, okay, where are they? And we began to look. And as that happens, you begin to spread out a little bit further and further, looking the radius of what you think they might be. And I remember that in that store that I had expanded the radius so far that I was actually standing in the entrance of the mall. And I thought, the panic that set into my heart, I thought, my child is gone. Something within me said, go back to where you started. I went back to where I started, and I just got quiet. And I thought that I heard her voice. I got down on my hands and my knees, and I just listened. And I heard Juliana singing. She had climbed up in the middle of one of those round, circular clothing things, and she was sitting in there, legs crossed, just singing very quietly, and I could not hear her. But when I got down on my hands and my knees, and I got quiet, I was able to hear her voice. In life, you know what we need to do sometimes? In those moments when we have to choose joy, when we feel the trajectory of our life shoving us a different direction, you just need to get down and get quiet. And notice what Elijah did in verse number 13. And when, he, when it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? God refocused Elijah's spirit, or God reminded Elijah that his focus determined his reality. He reminded Elijah that his focus determined his reality. You see, Elijah, when he, when he heard the words of Jezebel, he went into panic and he ran because his reality, his focus was on her words rather than on God's words. And now God speaks to him and God says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah is now able to refocus and his reality now became God is still in control. So number one, God refocused Elijah's purpose, or God reminded Elijah that joy is a choice. Number two, God refocused Elijah's spirit, or God reminded Elijah that his focus determines his reality. Number three, God refocused Elijah's mission, or God told Elijah, just do the next thing. 
Verse number 15, And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. He said, Elijah, that way you just came, I want you to go back exactly the same way. I want you to go on a mission. I have a plan for you, and it looks like that path that you were just on. I want you to do the next thing. Sometimes in life, we, we try to make the next step for God bigger than what it actually is. And God just says, I want you to do the very next thing in front of you. I just want you to take that next step. I just want you, I don't need you to worry about what's going to happen in a year or two years or three years. I need you to worry about what, to, what you're going to do right now in this next step that I have for your life. And number four, God gave Elijah a friend. Learn to enjoy the journey. In verse number 16, God said, And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. He said, Elijah, you've been traveling this road alone, and I want you to go, and I want you to anoint Elisha. And I want Elisha, he is going to stay with you. He's going to travel with you. He's going to be your friend. He's going to be with you in the highs and the lows. Elisha is going to be with you for this journey. You know what some of us need to do? We just need to simply go find a friend. We just need to go up to somebody and say, hey, will you be friends with me? I heard about a, a couple who, they moved to a new area, and in that area, they, they, they just wanted friendships and kinships, and they began to test out people to see if they could be their friends. And so they would invite a couple over for dinner, and if it went well, they would invite them over for dinner again. And eventually, if those couples really began to gel, that couple, they would sit them down and they would say, so we have something really awkward that we want to ask you. And the couple at the other side of the table, I'm sure, they were like, are you in a multi-level marketing thing? No, it's not Shackley. It's uh, something else. We, we want to know, will you be our friends? And the people, the people were like, of course we'll be your friends. Like, good, we're friends now. And they felt like they had to go through this formal process of finding friends. But you know what happened to them? They enjoyed the journey because they had people to walk along the journey with them. So many times we, have, we try and we think, well, I don't, I don't really connect with anybody. When was the last time you asked somebody to be your friend? Well, that's what kids do. No. We need to do that too sometimes. You know what? Hey, I'm really going through a tough time. Phil, would you walk through life with me? And I know Philip. Phil would be like, sure, man. A couple weeks ago, I, in, our, in our couples class, I was talking to them, and I said, you know what? This is, this is how men function. Our garbage disposal went out, and it had to be replaced. And so I went to, the, to Home Depot, and I bought a new garbage disposal. And then I did what every other man does that's, that does something that they don't know what to do. I looked at YouTube. And I searched how to replace garbage disposal. And I watched YouTube. And then I found somebody else that I, would, I did their thing. And so I learned how to replace the garbage disposal. And so I did it. You know what I could have done instead of watching YouTube of somebody I don't know? I could have called Philip up. Philip's in construction. He knows how to do this stuff. And I could say, hey, Phil, would you come help me? It would have been a whole lot more fun watching Philip do it than watching me do it. 
I would have cheered him on. Man, you're doing a great job under there. Good job. Do you need anything? Need a Coke? Iced tea? No. Well, what did I do? In my house, by myself, all alone, reading print that I can't read, trying to figure it out. I have an extra part. Does this go to anything? I don't know. I had to walk that path alone. I chose to walk that path alone. But how often do we do that in life? Things happen. Life happens. We begin walking our own path. We shut people out. We forget that God is with us. And we choose to do life alone. We don't have to do that. This morning, will you take this moment right here? We talked about the power of a moment. Will you take this moment right here and will you choose joy? Will you choose to put your focus on God? Will you decide to just do the next thing? Will you invite a friend to go on this journey with you? You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.